Hey yo, ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 what's up, what's poppin'? We have the NFL Week 9 right now. We're gonna be looking at the best picks. This is the Wednesday video, then we come back with some more videos throughout the week. So be sure to stay tuned for all of it right now. We're trying to give you as much information as you could possibly have on this YouTube video slash podcast version to get yourself the dollar rooskies, because the more informed you are, the better your chance of winning. That's my goal here. We're gonna go position by position. I do my own projections. I have projections up right now. They're gonna be up on Patreon by the time that you're listening to this. If you are a Patreon, we wanna join down below. Low. projections and rankings for week nine are already up so i have a pretty good idea of the slate i'm doing right now my in-depth research as well for the game by game notes so we have a good idea on this slate right now now as ownership comes out throughout the week we could finalize that by leveraging some plays by getting into matchups and that's some of the stuff we talk about on fridays but let's look at each position right now and just see at where we are right what are we thinking for this week in week nine where do we think some of the leverages and where do we just think that the best plays are right the patrick mahomes which looked as obvious as possible last week but everybody wanted to get off of it because of price because of how bad they looked the week before i don't really know what people were doing last week bunch of donkeys in my opinion at 10% ownership Patrick Mahomes not being played in that game environment projected for five touchdowns no other team within seven points of their team total as all the other totals were dropping and people still didn't want to drop on him when he had cheap stacking options all across the board for the most part so we're here right now to try and find those types of plays maybe they won't be as obvious this week there are some pretty nice plays that we're going to get into but before we do like button for me and the big old subscribe button pops up if you're on the YouTube channel. Greatly appreciate that. A chance to win $50 Ruskies if you're listening on the podcast or want to go over to the podcast version. The Sal Vetri Show on iTunes, you can go over there and you can leave a five-star rating and review. Probably takes 60 seconds of your time at most if you go over there, 30 seconds maybe, and you have a chance to win $50 a weekly giveaway. So be sure to check all of that out. Today's video is brought to you by Monkey Knife Fight. Our partners over at Monkey Knife Fight, I appreciate them a ton. It is a player prop site. It's just props, right? So you could either go more or less for receiving yards, rushing yards, receptions, or there's a bunch of different games modes over there that you can play. If you're going to be playing props, a lot of people are getting into sports betting on lines. If you want to be trying out player props, they are the softest lines. They are the best return on investment, your best opportunity to actually beat the book, beat Monkey Knife Fight, whatever it might be. And if you want some free dollar rooskies to start up over there, use my last name, Vetri. V-E-T-R-I. They will give you free money up to 50 bucks, depending on how much you put in. Want to just put 10 bucks in? Bam, you got 10. A weird number like 27? Bam, you got 27. Or if you're a heavy hitter, a head honcho, a kingpin, as I say, you put 50 dollar rooskies in, 50 bucks, they'll give you 50 back. There you go. You got 100 smackaroos in your bank account on Monkey Knife Fight. Check it out down below. The player props are a ton of fun. Shout out Monkey Knife Fight for sponsoring this video. Again, promo code VETRI, V-E-T-R-I, to let them know that you came from me and take advantage of that offer. So let's start this bad boy off with the quarterback position. You can see if you're watching on YouTube, I have five yeses and then I have about five maybes. Now, normally I really like the weeks. Like last week, we had about 40% Mahomes, 47%, I think, by the end of it when it was all over. Last week, I usually like to get like one to two to maybe three guys to make up the majority of my ownership. If I have two guys making up 50% of my ownership, I feel okay with that because I like being leveraged on games. Now, normally though, I play like eight to 10 quarterbacks in my stacks. I play 150 lineups. So when I'm playing eight to 10 quarterbacks, I might only have like three court lineups with one guy, seven with another, and then it starts to piece it together. But normally I get like two or three of a lot of a guy, right? So this week, some of the guys that are going to be maybe in the candidacy for being that guy, starting it off with Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's going to return to the main slate. And yes, he continues to look very good. Yes, you continue to get this rushing upside that's going to be elite out of him. Now, I don't know if Kyler Murray actually comes in with all that much ownership. Normally quarterbacks don't really get too chalky. I think they'll all be, for the most part, balanced out between like all the way down to like 1%, but then mainly a lot of guys will hover around like 6 to 8%. You know what you get out of Kyler on the ground? He's averaging 9.3 rushing attempts per game, 62 yards per game. He's coming off of what was definitely his best game of the year against Seattle, which was maybe even the best game just in general this year, where he scores 38 fantasy points. But Kyler Murray has not yet scored below 23.1 fantasy points this season. That was his worst finish this year, where he finished as the quarterback nine that week. He's just so consistent. So if you're talking about cash games, yes, he's expensive, but he's somebody I try to prior- prioritize there because of his consistency. A 78% red zone completion 
completion percentage, averaging 0.8 fantasy points per attempt so far this season. And his team total is pretty good. As four and a half point favorites versus a much improved Miami defense and Miami team in general, he has a 26 implied team total. Kyler Murray right now in three straight games has scored at least 27 fantasy points and has finished top five or better at the quarterback position so far this year, five out of his seven starts. He's been fantastic. You know, the clear stacking options are DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk for the most part. I like Kyler Murray a good amount. He is currently a yes to start the week. Next up is Russell Wilson. And like Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson continues to just score a bunch of points. He's finished at worst quarterback 10 so far this year when he scored 21.9 points against Miami in week four. Now he gets a Buffalo team that is just struggling. Whether they try and sell out to stop the run, they could just get torched over the top. Tredavious White has been banged up, not having the best of years, but just the entire secondary. The safety pointer has not been good. This is a good spot for Russell Wilson. And now he's going to maybe get some of his running backs back. DJ Dallas, the rookie, looked terrible last week when all their guys were out. Travis Holmner seemed to be an emergency back. Maybe he gets Carson who was a game time decision back. Maybe Hyde comes back. And then it's a pretty nice opportunity to run the ball. But this total looks fantastic. A 28.75 team implied total is the second highest on the slate only to the Chiefs. And he's just $7,600. You know the stacking options. DK Metcalf has gotten up there and he's expensive. But then after that, Tyler Lockett is actually fairly priced and a matchup in the slot against Buffalo is a top three matchup for slot wide receivers. And Tyler Lockett currently is the number one fantasy points wide receiver. Now, obviously, Devontae Adams, I would say, is the best fantasy points wide receiver. Fantasy points per game wise by far. He's just missed some games. But Lockett is actually scoring a ton of points and getting in the end zone, which is something that we like to see for the correlation with Russell Wilson, who is currently averaging 307 passing yards per game, 37 yards on the ground himself this year. And so far right now in three straight games, he's scored at least 25.5 fantasy points, not just in three straight games, every single game this year, except for one. So seven out of the eight games, the only game again at Miami where he scores 21 points. Every other game this year, he scored at least 25 and a half fantasy points. And four of those eight games, he scored over 30 fantasy points. Russell Wilson has a ceiling on him and a very stable floor. That's why Russell Wilson, when it comes to cash, he's cheaper than Kyler Murray. And he looks just as good as him in terms of a cash game atmosphere. So both of them will be cash considerations for me, but definitely both have nice stacking game options from a GPP standpoint. Now, Deshaun Watson is an interesting play here at 7,100. You get the discount off of him, but you get sort of a similar role, not to the same extent because of just the overall offenses and just honestly the coaching staff from Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. Deshaun Watson continues, and especially when he's playing from behind like he has in the last two games, that's when his ceiling really comes out because they say, screw you, David Johnson. We'll use in the passing game, run 30 rounds. We're just going to chuck this thing with Deshaun Watson. And honestly, there hasn't been many better quarterbacks from a fantasy standpoint than Deshaun Watson over the last three weeks. Maybe the guys above him that I just talked about, Murray, Russell Wilson, maybe Patrick Mahomes. I don't even know if you can argue Justin Herbert, who's been good as the rookie. But right now, Deshaun Watson, he scored 24.2. And if we factor in DraftKings points with the bonuses, he's hitting like 27 fantasy points. He's hitting like 35 fantasy points the week before that, the QB1 in week six versus Tennessee, the game that goes to overtime. In week five versus Jacksonville, he's hitting like 30 fantasy points flat, finishing as a top five quarterback. So he's been very good. And you like to see when he does play from behind. Now in this one, they're touchdown favorites. So it gets a little bit more alarming. Do they use some Duke and David Johnson on the ground a little bit more in Jacksonville with Jake Luton actually stay within this game? That's your major concern here, but you're getting over 20 rushing yards per game from Deshaun Watson right now. You're getting him throwing for 300 or more yards in four straight games. And now he sees an average of 299.3 and he's averaging 8.8 yards per attempt. That leads this entire slate right now in terms of quarterback efficiency. He's not throwing all that many interceptions. The problem is he's been sacked 22 times and he needs to get that time. It's not really translating into all that many rushing yards. But the easy thing is that he's relatively cheap, especially compared to Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson and some other guys like Patrick Williams we'll talk about. And the stacking options are just so good and they're cheap. Will Fuller at 6,800. Brandon Cook still in the mid five range. Uh, even Randall Cobb to an extent. Now, I don't think you can go to the tight ends with Jordan Aikens do back, but those three wide receivers are definitely good stacking options. I would primarily stack them with Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks. Run back options would be my concern here from Jacksonville with the backup quarterback, but James Robinson grades out nicely at the running back position, getting all the volume coming off of a bye 
bye week right now. But the big issue is the fact that you're going to play James Robinson as a seven point underdog, right? You're going to be playing Deshaun Watson as a seven point favorite. Does that actually lead to a game flow where they're going to go out there and let him throw for 300 yards? Let him finish like he has the past three weeks as a top five and top 10 quarterback each and every week. The guys above him have a little bit more security in those regards, which makes them a little bit more appealing. But from a GPP standpoint, I think they're all firmly in play there and look very similar to me. Deshaun Watson, actually, if I look at my projections, I have projections and rankings on Patreon. Ownership hopefully should be coming within this week. I was expecting to have it by now. I'm waiting on just a finalization of some emails and stuff so I can get data access. But right now, Deshaun Watson grades out as my best point per dollar value, bang for your buck quarterback play. That does not mean go ahead and play him, right? You have to find stacking options, but it does indeed make him a an okay cashing game option. Next up is the rookie Justin Herbert. And there might not be like six quarterbacks that I would want more than Justin Herbert from a season long fantasy league. Like check this out, right? He scored 24 or more fantasy points and four straight games. He scored 23 or more fantasy points in every game except week three against Carolina, where he still threw for 330 yards. And the big thing with Justin Herbert is he's becoming just like this game flow type of independent quarterback, even in difficult matchups. He goes out against Tampa Bay, a very daunting defense, scores 24 fantasy points. He goes out against Denver last week, one of the, again, a top three overall defense with Tampa Bay, other team being the Steelers. He scores 23.2 overall fantasy points, finishes as the quarterback four in that week, doesn't hit the 300 yard mark, 278, making it the third time, half the times he's hitting 300 yards, but he did throw for another three touchdowns. He had two picks in that game. It could have been an even better performance. And you just know the stacking options. It's clear as day that he's just targeting down and the price point has come up now a little bit on Keenan Allen. So that's the concern, but Keenan Allen, and you're going to have Mike Williams. Hunter Henry is eventually going to click and at his price point now 4k, it actually makes him look a little bit more appealing from a stacking standpoint. Herbert averaging 303 yards per game. That's third on the slate, only behind Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson right now. Herbert looking good from an efficiency standpoint at eight yards per attempt. And you get the rushing upside too. 24 yards per game on the ground right now. Herbert does look good. Now he's coming off of his worst yards per game efficiency average. He also threw two interceptions the first time that he's done that. So maybe we track this a little bit, but I would actually account that to the fact that he saw the most hurries. He saw the most pressure this week. He was hurried on his dropbacks 22 times. The most before that was the first week that he came in as kind of a spot start against Kansas City, where he only saw 13 hurries. So he's actually been, the protection rate is not that great, but he's actually been getting the ball out quickly when under pressure. This past week, he had 22 hurries, led to some incompletions, led to some inefficiency in the passing game, but still scored 23.4 fantasy points. Herbert is a yes for me. Next up is Patrick Mahomes. And yes, pure fantasy points wise, he'll grade it as like the number one or number two play, but you have to keep in mind that he's $8,100, by far the most expensive player on the slate. And you're not going to just always bank on him scoring five touchdowns to pay that price off like he did last week. Patrick Mahomes was not that good against Denver because, well, nothing to do with Patrick Mahomes. He gets pulled because they have a defensive score and then they have a, a special team score. But this is the whole thing about that. Nobody wants to play him against the Jets the next week where they have a five touchdown implied total. Now they have a 31 implied team total. And he's the number one quarterback scoring over 36 fantasy points last week. I think he scored close to 40 fantasy points when you factor in the bonuses. Only one time this year has he scored below 20 fantasy points, but they're very easy and they're very willing to run the ball if they need to. Now a matchup here against Carolina, the dead lash run defense right there with the Bills, the two worst in the NFL right now. They can actually just run this ball out with Le'Veon Bell and also Clyde over to Lair a lot. So right now I have Patrick Mahomes as a yes. He's closer to him maybe this week. Look, he went off last week, right? That does not mean that he's automatically at the same price going to be in play this week because Kyler Murray's now in the slate because Russell Wilson's cheap because Deshaun Watson's cheap and he returns to the slate and so on and so forth. So I do like Patrick Mahomes because yes, there's endless stacking options, but Tyreek Hill is now more expensive. Travis Kelsey is now becoming more expensive. McCole Harmon's getting more expensive. And even Demarcus Robinson, who does not come up all that much in price point, he gets a little bit more expensive and he's he's really hard to rely on. So trying to get another 16 plus fantasy points is difficult there. So I like Patrick Mahomes, right? 271 yards per game. He's giving you over 20 rushing yards per game. But now that there's other options that there weren't last week, namely Tyler Murray and Deshaun Watson on this slate, and even a better matchup in price for Russell Wilson, I'm not going to get to Patrick Mahomes anywhere near as much as I did last week when I was getting 40 plus percent of him in my GPP builds. And I played him in all three of my three max lineups, 100% in the higher stakes. And if you want to be able to win the Dalaruski, sign up for Patreon so you can be informed on the Closing Thoughts podcast, the projections, the rankings, where I basically just said like, hey, well, this is Patrick Mahomes, and then do whatever else you want at the other quarterback positions to fill it in. I'm going to play a bunch of Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to play a bunch of Patrick Mahomes. 
whatever comes in after that, that's fine. But we're going to play a bunch of Patrick Mahomes. We got some like Aaron Rodgers in there, which was basically fine. If you just stacked him up with Devontae Adams last week, three passing touchdowns for Rodgers, all three to Devontae Adams. But Patrick Mahomes was the key to the slate. And for some reason, he was only like 13% on the higher stakes and 10% on the cross the board. Now I have some other interest in the quarterback position. We won't go too deep into them, but Josh Allen. Yes. I like him on the opposite side of that Seattle game. Seattle's defense has been absolutely abysmal. They're going to have the best matchup right now in terms of fantasy points per game allowed. Josh Allen with a 25.75 team implied total as a three point underdog. They have not been good this year right now, right? The last three or four games, this Buffalo team in the passing game, but this is the perfect spot. A mobile quarterback who has clear passing options, right? Cole Beasley, John Brown, and Stefan Diggs, Diggs being the big one against the bad defense as slight underdogs. That's a good spot historically for quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson's down to 6,900. Look, I just never get to Lamar a lot because I don't want to stack Hollywood Brown, who's squeaky wheel narrative. Maybe he's complaining about his role. I just don't want to stack him though with him. Uh, I don't really like Mark Andrews all that much. He's always overpriced. And if he doesn't score a touchdown, he's basically TJ Hawkinson. He's basically no fan out there. If he's not scoring a touchdown, getting like seven, six fantasy points. So at 6,900, Lamar's in play just because of his upside, right? Those, those 58.7 rushing yards per game only behind Kyler Murray right now, but I rarely will stack him. Matt Ryan at 6,400, Teddy Bridgewater, and then Daniel Jones at 5,400 is actually maybe worth a look at a punt. He's been good when he has time. He had the most time so far this season, that last time out there against the Tampa Bay Bucks. It started to break down in the fourth quarter, but he at least still had time. Sterling Shepard being back for the past two weeks actually looks like a pretty nice security blanket for Daniel Jones as he looks his way a lot. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, feeling comfortable with him back out there at 5,400, getting that time. You saw Evan Ingram get back involved. You even saw Darius Slayton have some deep shot opportunities that just missed from Daniel Jones. Matchup against Washington's defensive line is not great. I really don't know if I ever play him. Maybe a couple tournament lineups, definitely not higher stakes, but Daniel Jones would be the one cheap play that I'd at least look at this week at $5,400. We now move to the running back position where it's going to be highlighted by some big names and potentially Christian McCaffrey returning this week. They're optimistic that he can return. So at the top of this, we're going to look at Dalvin Cook, 8,200. Yes, he's in play. Detroit's defense has been absolutely abysmal right now against the run for basically two straight years now they're not like dead last or bottom three in the league like they were last year but they've still been very bad you have Dalvin Cook at this point averaging 1.08 fantasy points per touch that is the number one player on the slate right now in fantasy points per touch for a guy that we're not used to catching a lot of passes well when you take a 50 yard screen pass to the house last week that's going to help you he's having 23 and a half opportunities per game his offensive line is allowing just a 13 percent stuff rate at this point that also factors in Dalvin Cook's skill set his lateral ability and also his vision but 13 percent stuff rate is the lowest on the slate so you're getting a running back who has running lanes who's hitting those running lanes hard and he's getting all the opportunity in the world right now with 20 over 20 attempts per game still seeing over three targets he's going to be chalky he'll probably be maybe the highest home player in the slate i understand that doesn't mean you have to play him i'm probably going to get a lot of him in mme maybe i pivot in some of my single entry and three max lineups as a four point favorite with 28.25 team implied against a bad detroit run defense look i know he's expensive at seven thousand dollars but he's facing houston which is actually a better matchup this year than even dalvin cooks against detroit and james robinson the undrafted free agent we have to stop ignoring what he's doing right now now look a lot of these weeks he's not putting up the 20 plus points that at $7,000 will really win you a tournament, but he's coming off of a 29.7 fantasy point outing against the Los Angeles Chargers, where he's the running back two that week. And this is the issue for him. He's either really hit or miss, right? Top 10 running backs this week have been four and performances of over 20 points have just been three. But keeping in mind that he's only played so far this season, seven games, that's actually not the worst situation. And now you factor in a good matchup. Now he has played Houston so far this season. He had 13 rushing attempts. He ended up having 70 total yards and he did catch five passes on seven targets. He's coming in as a seven point underdog. This is the big issue for him. So he's currently a yes for me, just based on volume and the fact that I do think James Robinson probably comes in a little bit lower owned than this one. And I think that he's probably one of, if not my favorite run back options from the Houston side of this one. The backup quarterback starting for him, that's the big concern. Robinson may be closer to him maybe than he has. That might be a little bit aggressive to start the week out. James Conner's the next man up and James Conner's passing game role. And you saw this two years ago, like his passing game role was fantastic when Big Ben was out there setting the records for pass attempts, passing yards of over 5,000 yards. It looked very good. Now his passing game role has not been that good, but I will say in back-to-back games, you're getting three receptions out of him. You're getting them to be huge favorites here, 13 and a half point favorites. I actually got it at nine and a half 
FanDuel dropped that out there pretty early and they probably did it pretty wrong. So now it's the 13 and a half pretty quickly against this Dallas Cowboy team where they're going down to like Garrett something, their fourth string quarterback, maybe Cooper Rush, who's joined the team. They're trying to battle that thing out. But James Conner at $6,900. I would expect, I would expect James Conner to pick up some ownership because this is where he's been the last couple of weeks. 18 touches, 23 touches, 21 touches, 18 touches, 22 touches, 18 touches, right? When he's healthy outside of week one, the only week that he wasn't healthy, 18 plus touches every single week. And he's averaging so far in the season opportunities, 19 opportunities this year. But keep in mind, week one, he leaves early with just eight. If you factor that out, he's averaging actually opportunities wise over 21 opportunities per game, which puts him in this elite category up top. He's going to be a huge favorite. He's going to get a lot of goal line work with 23 attempts already this season being top five on the slate. James Conner looks like a pretty clear yes for me. Now, Josh Jacobs is the next one up and I have, I have him as a yes. He's a one point underdog in this one against the Los Angeles Chargers. Josh Jacobs in these close game totals is where you're going to want to play him the most, or obviously if they're going to be favorites. But you saw last week exactly what happens with Josh Jacobs. You need him to get this game flow. And even with that, the offensive line has just been not that great so far this year, allowing a 17% stuff rate, which is below average. Josh Jacobs is getting the volume 24.6 opportunities per game right now ranks third overall on this slate only behind Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey. And if you factor out McCaffrey's small sample size, he's actually second on the slate in opportunities per game. He's coming off of a week where he had 31 carries ran seven routes. It was a game where they won 16, six. It was pretty close to a tie or they were leading basically the entire game, but 31 carries for just 128 yards. This offensive line has not been good for him, right? When they're actually ahead or in games where they can run a little bit more or keep the game close. You saw that with Kansas City. They actually won that game. He gets 25 opportunities to start the season out against Carolina and New Orleans games that they're close or leading. He gets to start the season out 29 opportunities and 30 opportunities. So these close total games based on Vegas is where you do want to play. I'm Josh Jacobs here. I'm going to project out for somewhere around this 24, 25 opportunity mark in this game. And at 6,300, the price point only comes up $100. It's good to be looking at. Next up is David Montgomery. And boy, oh boy, does this guy just straight out suck from an efficiency standpoint. Now, David Montgomery, though, the last five weeks, he leads all running backs in routes run. The last three weeks, he leads all running backs in overall touches and opportunities, that is, because of what he's doing right here. So this is what you're getting out of David Montgomery since the Cohen injury. This is dating back from week four, then to week eight. Six targets, eight, five, five, and five. How has that turned into receptions? Three, a career high seven, four, five, and two. Now we had for the second time this year, over a hundred yards total, but it took him a ton of opportunities, 23 opportunities. He had one long run as well, but he's now ran 27 plus routes in four to the last five weeks. And in three of those weeks, he's ran 30 plus routes. He's just heavily involved at this point. Now you're getting a lot of opportunities, 19.4 per game. Again, factoring in a couple of games when Tariq Cohen was still there. He stinks at $5,700. He's not that efficient, but you're getting the red zone usage as well. This past week alone, he had five red zone touches the week before that four, the week before that against Carolina in week six, when he scores 13.7 fantasy points, he has eight red zone touches and the man could not find the end zone. He's probably going to find the end zone as he has not now in three straight games. Eventually, this looks like a decent week to be playing David Montgomery sub $6,000. The Davids are cheap this week and David Johnson is also cheap coming off the bye week. Look, David Johnson is very similar to David Montgomery in terms of not being efficient. But the nice thing about David Johnson is you've had four straight weeks of 18 plus touches and he's coming off of a week where he's just saw 18 touches against the Packers. He's just finding his way into the end zone with four total touchdowns this year. And he's now scored at least 11 fantasy points in five straight games. The best game that he's had, he's coming off of against the Packers. 16.4 points. He caught all four of his targets. The most he's had this season is four receptions, tying a season high four targets. He had 84 total yards and a touchdown. Twice this year, he's gone over 100 yards. What you're getting out of David Johnson is 17.9 opportunities per game, but you're not getting a lot of efficiency. But the nice thing is here, they're big favorites, seven point favorites with the second to third highest tied in second in some spots, third highest slightly behind Seattle and a lot of books online for sports betting is a 28 and a half total at 5,600. I expect David Johnson to be picking up ownership. I think it's a nice game flow for him. I think if he's going to continue to run this many 
many routes, even with Duke Johnson back the last three weeks, 23 routes, 26 and 33 routes, right? They're trailing in these past two games to 26 and 33. So if they're leading in this game, expect closer to like 15 to 16 routes run, but then expect, expect closer to like 18 to 20 carries. And to close out my yeses, and we can just hit on some of the maybes. I, I know people are probably like, how hasn't he said Christian McCaffrey's name yet? We'll get into that in a second. But Justin Jackson is going to be a yes for me. I know that Tromaine Pope also came in and had double digit touches. And people think this might be a three headed backfield. But I think that Tromaine Pope coming in last week actually hurts a man in Joshua Kelly, the rookie out of UCLA more, because this is what you're getting, right? You're getting the last three weeks since the injury to Austin Eckler, 58% of the snaps, 40% and 48% of the snaps. Now against Jacksonville, none of the running backs really had a big role. But Justin Jackson last week had a total of 20 overall touches. Two weeks ago, before that, right? Jacksonville, he only has 10. Not many running backs are even being used in that situation. Then the week before that, he goes out there and he has 20 overall touches. So he's coming off of 20 touches. He had five targets for the third straight game. He brought in three of them in this past game, finishes a top 10 running back at 7.2 fantasy points. And since the injury, since the injury to Eckler, he scored 14.4, 10.5, and 17.2 fantasy points at his price point of just 4,900. Even if he gets his average over these last couple of games of about 13 fantasy points, that's going to pay off for you. And then we get into some of the maybes that you can see. McCaffrey is very cheap, but we don't know what the full role is. They say Mike Davis will still be involved. Maybe that's just because they want to work in Christian McCaffrey this week. If they come out and say Christian McCaffrey's practicing in full on Thursday, he's practicing in full on Friday, he's a full go for this week. Well, then yes, Christian McCaffrey for me is going to be looking like probably the best play in the slate, even as a 10 point underdog against this Kansas City team that's not that good against the run. Improved, but not that good still. It's still a spot we can see McCaffrey drop 30 plus points just based on how often he's using this offense. But keep in mind, Robbie Anderson has made a name for himself since McCaffrey's out there. DJ Moore is still DJ Moore. Curtis Samuel is coming off of basically the past two most efficient games, maybe, of his NFL career, or at least the most used we've seen him in the last year and a half to two years. So this is definitely a different team that doesn't just have to rely on Christian McCaffrey back there. So he's $8,500. He's very cheap, something we haven't seen in a while. Right now, I do prefer Dalvin Cook, but we'll see as the week goes on for injury news. Other guys that I'm interested in, but not to the point where I want to go full on yes. Derrick Henry, Chase Edmonds, you have to keep an eye on. If Kenyon Drake is going to be out, obviously no interest in Kenyon Drake. And then interest in Chase Edmonds rises. If Kenyon Drake is in, no interest in Chase Edmonds at 6,800. Zeke at 6,600 in a brutal matchup. Probably not going to get there, but at least worth pointing out because he is seeing over 22 opportunities per game. And maybe this quarterback can actually keep the offense going. I doubt it. And then the rookies, Antonio Gibson off the buy and DeAndre Swift are at least in play for me. Swift is still playing the most snaps, still getting a lot of touches. I think he had last week like nine touches, but they just didn't touch the ball all that much because they were trailing so big. And then Antonio Gibson comes coming off of a 20 touch week, but he's not running routes. He's not running routes. He had 20 carries on the ground, but JD McKissick is now basically running over the last two to three weeks, all the routes out there. So if they're going to be coming into a game, even as three point favorites, if this game gets a little bit out of hand one way or the other, Antonio Gibson might actually become a game flow uh, dependent back now, meaning that he actually has to have running script ability, being a header and a neutral script to actually get you the touches if they indeed want to keep McKissick coming off the bye as this very uh, high routes run player. We now move over to the wide receiver position where there's going to be a lot of guys here. Take a second of your time, like button for me, big old subscribe button pop up. I appreciate that. You can check out all that I offer down below on my Patreon projections, rankings, ownership coming very, very soon. A closing thoughts podcast, showdown information, 20 pages of game by game notes, breaking down every single player from every single game that's going to be meaningful, their matchup, their situation. Then you can look at the projections and rankings for more. Patreon.com backslash Sal underscore Vetri underscore. I'm joining the family and the community over there. You can check it out. We're getting very close to 500 total patrons. Appreciate you all a ton. So now we're getting into the wide receiver position. A lot of guys will just be stacked up and we'll get into their specific matchups on Friday. Hopkins at 8,200 clear stacking option for Kyler Murray. Hopkins averaging over 10 targets per game and over 100 yards per game right now. You know what to do with him. He's coming off of a game against this Seattle Seahawks team before the bye week where he goes out and scores 100 plus and a touchdown on like double digit reception. So this is another good spot for him against Miami where they're stud quarterbacks and Xavier Howard, obviously Byron Jones, guys that are banged up, but have been playing well when they're out there. Julio Jones with Atlanta. Keep an eye on what happens with Calvin Ridley. I'm projecting him in right now and that's why I'll have some interest in Calvin Ridley. But Julio Jones, since he's returned, has just been an absolute monster yet again. Everybody who is basically anybody on Twitter right now that said Julio Jones is dust, Julio Jones at 
31 years old is just done. He's terrible, all this stuff. Better just go delete your Twitter because these are the type of people that just love, it's a popcorn error. They love to have these hot takes. Everybody likes to go on Twitter, whatever social media, and just have the hottest of takes that make absolutely no sense when you actually give it two seconds of your time. Since his return, since being injured, this is what you're getting out of Julio Jones right now. You're getting 33.7 fantasy points, the wide receiver two that week. You're getting 17.7 where he only, he only catches eight of nine targets for 97 yards. How dare you? And then last week against Carolina, against Troy Pride for the most part, 85% of the snaps, he ends up running 31 routes, which is his least right routes run since he got injured. He ends up running 31 routes, which tied his least for any healthy games he's been in this year. It doesn't matter. Still sees 10 targets for the third time this season. Catches seven for 137 yards, has 20.7 fantasy points. Julio Jones is an absolute beast. We all know that. Bryce Callahan, if they want to put him on that, it's not going to be any match for Julio. Go out there, get some Julio at 7,200, especially if you're playing Matt Ryan stacks. I recall I played back-to-back weeks and it's worked out. And yes, last week it worked out in a major way, scoring the two touchdowns. He's now priced up two weeks ago. He's like 6,200, then 6,700. Now he's $7,100. Highest team total on the slate, averaging a 36% air yard market share for Kansas City. 15 yards per target right now is up there as like a top two or three player in the slate. And he's also getting the red zone work. Tyree Kill so far this season has seven red zone targets, which I believe puts him top five in the league. He also has three red zone touchdowns. So he's being used deep down the field, but also in the red zone. Give me some Tyree Kill at $7,100. As we keep going down, Keenan Allen continues to just be like one of the best value plays, even priced up at $7,000. He still looks very good. He's just being targeted week in and week out. Last week, he finally got in the end zone after the week before that, having 13 targets and not finding the end zone after the week before that, getting banged up after finding the end zone. So he's just heavily involved at this point. Some of his numbers are going to be skewed because he left the game early. So his 10.6 targets per game is actually above 11 per game. If you take out the game where he leaves early in the first quarter, he's averaging, if you take that out over 85 yards per game as well. And this guy historically just destroys the Raiders who don't have anybody to really put on him for this game either. So what I like right now is the fact that you're seeing these are his last couple of games when healthy 11, 13, 12, 19, 10, and eight. Those are his target shares this season. When you factor out week five, when he got hurt against the Saints and Marshawn Lattimore, where he started that game off with two receptions on two targets for 29 yards and a touchdown. Ian Allen continues to look like a strong cash play and GPP play, especially in your Herbert Bills. Tyler Lockett, 6,800. It went from Lockett week to now DK week. So it's now back to Lockett week. I don't know, but he's very cheap. He's $1,000 cheaper than DK Metcalf, who I also have interest in, but in your rust stacks, I probably start them this week with Lockett against a Buffalo team that in the slot has struggled a ton. Lockett averaging nine targets per game. Looks very good. Will Fuller's the next one up. He's similar to Keenan Allen in terms of he got hurt against the Baltimore Ravens in a game, and that skewed a lot of his production per game stats down. He's averaging way more than seven targets per game. If you factor out that game where he puts up the goose egg, he ends up going out there for zero fantasy points. He's zero targets. He did run 20 rounds, but he was basically a decoy out there. If you factor out that game, he's basically averaging close to nine targets per game. He's cl- averaging close to 80 yards per game. He's averaging a lot more usage per game as well. So Will Fuller at 6,800, his price point basically hasn't changed at all. He had a matchup against Jair Alexander last time out. It was tough. Still found the end zone on six targets, 12 and a half points. He scored a touchdown in five straight games. His target shares have kind of been all over the place. Six, 11, eight, seven, five. You would like to see that kind of stabilize closer to like eight or nine. This is a good matchup for him though, in my opinion. So get yourself some Will Fuller, especially if we're really going to be liking Deshaun Watson this week. Robbie Anderson looks like great value. They're going to be playing from behind as 10 and a half point underdogs against Kansas City. The matchup might not be the greatest here, but you're continuing to get him being the wide receiver one for this team in terms of volume, routes run, and target share. 38.5% of the team's overall air yards this year. That's about top five on the slate. Get yourself some Robbie Anderson. Getting down to Chase Claypool. This is what we like to see. Look, Chase Claypool had that huge blow up monster game. And then it's like, okay, it comes out the next week and literally scores negative fantasy points, right? He had the fumble on like one catch for two yards or something along those lines. And then he comes out this past week and he does it against Jimmy Smith and a good Baltimore secondary. He goes for nine targets, his second most on the year since he went off for that four touchdown game. He catches five. He ends up having 42 yards and finding the end zone. So in a brutal matchup, he scores 13.2 fantasy points. The fourth time this year that he's topped double digit fantasy points, Chase Claypool at 5,700. Right now, if Deontay Johnson is going to keep battling injuries, got hurt with a hamstring last week. He's just banged up at this point. It seems like Chase Claypool is becoming the number one wide receiver on this team pretty quickly. DJ Moore, another option. If you want to go Teddy Bridgewater stacks or a full on game stack with Kansas City, running it back with DJ Moore, maybe a McCaffrey, if you have the salary, running it back with the DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson seems like a pretty nice idea. I touched 
touched on Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller being the main stacking options for Deshaun Watson. And honestly, you can make the argument with me right now that Brandon Cooks is actually the number one wide receiver on this team. Sal, it's Will Fuller. Of course, I think Will Fuller, if you're picking a team to start with, you would pick Will Fuller. Downfield option, also being used in the red zone. But Brandon Cooks, these last three weeks, nine targets, nine targets, 12 targets. He scored 30.3 fantasy points. That was number three that week. He scored 21.8. That was number six. And then before the bye week against Josh Jackson and the Packers, 39 routes. He's now ran 30 routes in every game but week one where he got banged up. 13 fantasy points before the bye week. So yeah, at 5,500, this should be like a $6,300 wide receiver. He's way too cheap. Our final yes at the wide receiver position, then a long list of maybes that I can touch on. Sterling Shepard, since he's returned in back-to-back games, he's quickly become the go-to option for Daniel Jones. He's seen in back-to-back games, 18 targets, bringing in 14 of them, scored a touchdown, and now he's had 17.9 fantasy points and 15.4 fantasy points. And all three of his healthy games this year, right? He left early after nine routes in week two against the Bears. All three of his healthy games, he's seen at least six targets and scored at least 10 or more fantasy points. And now he played on Monday Night Football, so this game wasn't in in time for them to adjust his salaries. So at 5,800, he looks more like a 54 to $5,600 wide receiver. You're getting a nice built-in value there for him. Again, maybe you want to play be risky in like the Millie Maker or something, play a Daniel Jones stack and taking on risk is a good thing in those types of formats where you have to try and take first place. A Daniel Jones stack starting with Sterling Shepard, maybe an Evan Ingram. Darius Slayton as well in that group, just over the upside downfield. Looks like a nice option. Shepard at $4,800 is actually in play for cash, in my opinion. Maybe not a definite go-to cash play because Daniel Jones is still your quarterback against a Washington defensive line when your offensive line has not been that great all season long. But Sterling Shepard at $4,800, definitely in play. And before we get into tight ends, I'll move down to the rest of my uh, wide receiver interest to at least start the week. I got a lot of these, if you're brand new here, will basically come from my stacking interest. So DK Metcalf and stacking interest. Stefan Diggs as a run back in Seattle stacks uh, or even a Buffalo stack. Calvin Ridley with the Matt Ryan stacks because we have some interest there. Allen Robinson would be more of a one-off option just because he's really good at this point and he's now still kind of priced down below all those elite receivers at $6,900. Both Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, they're both interesting to me in terms of like having a, a contrarian stack in the GPP that has upside, right? Only 14 attempts last week for Kirk Cousins and you had all of the, it was the Dalvin Cook show, four total touchdowns, three on the ground. The Packers were just letting them run all over them at that point and really couldn't stop them. Well, if it tilts back to 35 attempts this week for a man in Kirk Cousins, well, then you get the Adam Thielen upside there. A guy was seeing a 43% error target share. You get Justin Jefferson, who's not seeing all that many targets, just 5.7 per game, but has a lot of downfield upside and separation metrics at this point. Terry McLaurin at 6,500. We'll see some James Bradbury, who was honestly getting torched on Monday Night Football. He had like three pass interference penalties. He was getting cooked on double moves. So Bradbury to start the year off looked good. Terrible on Monday Night Football, though, against the Tampa Bay Bucks, where Scotty Miller, where uh, Mickens, right? Jeremy Mickens, I think his name was, was absolutely torching James Bradbury. So that does not scare me now when Terry McLaurin, who usually torches some good cornerbacks, comes to town averaging 9.9 targets per game and actually seems to have a decent connection with Kyle Allen. He might actually be a strong cash play. Terry McLaurin usually picks up ownership is my only concern. Hopefully this week, we don't see that to a major extent because I like Terry McLaurin as a one-off option. He looks like at least somebody they can consider in cash games, hoping that his ownership stays between 10 and 15 and not like 20%. As we go down more, some of the uh, guys against Dallas will look a little bit appealing. Deontay Johnson, if he's healthy at 5k is way too cheap. Juju at $6,200. I prefer the two other receivers on Pittsburgh who are actually cheaper in this matchup. I go down a little bit more. Mike Williams and your Herbert stacks. Uh, Marvin Jones, if there's not Kenny Galladay, I think he hurt his groin. That'll at least look decent at 5,100. I probably don't want to get there though. He really survived on touchdowns last week and not so much efficiency. And then some cheapies, McCole Hardman in your Kansas City stacks. Jerry Judy to run back Atlanta would be my primary option there. Saw 10 targets the last time out. He's now averaging 6.7 targets per game and actually getting some decent separation as of late. John Brown again in those Buffalo or Seattle team or game stacks. Randall Cobb in your Houston stacks. Michael Pittman for a cheap option if TOI Hilton was to miss. And then Danny Amendola in case there's no Kenny Galladay, maybe sees a bump. These are just really cheap guys. I, I don't know if I get to too much. Marcus Johnson maybe gets a bump with no T.Y. Hilton from a routes run perspective. I think Pascal will still lead that team though in routes run if there was no Hilton. Let us now close up shop at the tight end position where I'll say, check out Monkey Knife Fight, my last name, promo code Vetri. If you want to get some free money, take a second of your time right now. If you're not over there, if you're not having some fun, return on investment, ROI, the profit on Monkey Knife Fight, or just having some fun over there, having some player props. It's just a different format from DraftKings, right? It 
it's less stressful. It's less work intensive. It's less having to go up against a ton of professionals. You're just taking this prop. You're not facing other people. You're going right up against monkey knife fight where usually they have a lot of soft props right now trying to gain some exposure and some clientele into their business. It is the fastest growing DFS site. They're partnering up with so many guys right now, left and right everywhere. I see Charlie Hoffman and Goff, uh, Miami Dolphins in the NFL or the Brewers in the MLB. They're just partnering up with so many of these teams right now. So check out monkey knife fight down below promo code Vetri V-E-T-R-I lets them know that you came from me. Tight end for me is pretty simple this year. I'm going to look for a punt option. If there is one, I'll tell you about them. Maybe there is one today, or at least this week we'll talk about it. Or I'm going to try and pay up if it makes sense to, and maybe, maybe the best part of it, we can pay up and also get them in our stacks. So if there's no punt option, if there's no clear pay up options with value, I just try and get my tight ends in my stacks because so many of the tight ends look identical this week. Like all the guys that are maybes for me this week that have an X by Mark Andrews, Ebron, Gasecki, John Smith, Logan Thomas, Trey Burton, all these guys just look like the same projection. They're basically projecting out for like eight and a half to nine and a half fantasy points. And at that point, it just comes down to, I'll put them in a stack. So if they get the touchdown, it correlates with my quarterback. But you have some pay up options that at least look decent. You have some mid-range options that look a little bit more decent based on their price. Kelsey, gonna look good. Darren Waller, gonna look like probably my best point per dollar play. Like Kelsey and Waller, they're gonna be way too different in price. I actually have based on my projection for Kelsey, again, patreon.com backslash Sal underscore Vetri underscore. Based on my projection for Kelsey and Darren Waller, I have Darren Waller looking like a $6,800 tight end. He's now tied, I believe, the NFL record for consecutive games for a tight end with at least five plus receptions. He had it last week catching five passes for just like 28 yards, but he actually got the five receptions there. Now his team is a one point underdog with a 26 team implied total. He's seeing over a 20% area target share. He's seeing right now more targets per game than Kelsey at 8.9 to Kelsey's 8.5. So I do prefer Darren Waller to Kelsey. Obviously, if you're playing Mahomes stacks or Teddy Bridgewater stacks, I'd prefer Kelsey in the game stack or team stack environment. Evan Ingram has been playing well all season long. It's just a matter that they don't have time. He's seeing the targets all year long. He's running the routes top five in the NFL, but he just hasn't had time to get downfield and his quarterback hasn't had time to hit him being very inaccurate for Daniel Jones. Now you're getting him back-to-back games. Stuff is finally starting to click. Nine targets and 10 targets. This past week, he scores 12.7 fantasy points. The week before that, 10.9 fantasy points. Those don't sound like a lot of points, but for a tight end who's this week just priced at $4,300, if you just give me 12 fantasy points, I will take that every single time. He's finished as a top 12 tight end in back-to-back weeks. He continues to run a ton of routes out there. And if last week is any indication that the Giants can get some type of protection for Daniel Jones out there, it's going to be good for Evan Ingram at 4,300. Noah Fant slowly looks like he's getting healthier. He's a nice run back option if you don't want to go to Jerry Judy or just a one-off tight end. I think that Noah Fant, obviously one of the best tight ends, in my opinion, one of the best young tight ends in the game, Noah Fant. He's slowly starting to get back into form. Since his return from injury, you've seen seven targets and nine targets. Last week, he or basically two weeks ago, he said, I, I was still banged up. He just brought in three of those targets for 38 yards. This past week, he brings in seven of those nine targets for 47 yards, scoring 11.7 fantasy points, the most that he scored since week two, finishing as the tight end eight. I like that as well. You're seeing 3.7 yards per separation per target. That's tied for the most right now in the NFL with another second year player, uh, TJ Hawkinson. I go down a little bit more. Hayden Hurst is a nice cheap option that slides into your Atlanta stacks. And Hayden Hurst every single week is just seeing usage. He's seeing very consistent usage. It's just so consistent that it's like under the radar. It's very similar to Eric Ebron before he scored his touchdown last week. But this is Hayden Hurst last couple of weeks, right? Six targets, six, four, seven, and seven. So back-to-back weeks with seven targets. He had a red zone target last week, caught five passes for 54 yards. Hayden Hurst has scored at least, at least 10 or more fantasy points in three straight games this season. And he scored at least nine or more fantasy points in five of his eight games coming off of three straight performances of at least four receptions. At his price point, Hayden Hurst should probably be like $4,700. He's too cheap. The super draft multiplier of 1.7 also looks very good. And then Hunter Henry, for a lot of people, has been a letdown because you're stacking him up with Justin Herbert and he's not finding the end zone. And yes, he has been a letdown, but he's $4,000. So like, look, this is what he's been scoring as of late, right? So on the season so far this year, in terms of double digit fantasy point performances, four out of the seven weeks, he scored at least 10 or more fantasy points. At $4,000, he's 
you take that? The problem is the last two weeks, he hasn't. 5.3 and 7.3 has not found the end zone all but one time this year. He's just found the end zone one time this year. That was in week five versus New Orleans. And he's only had 23 receiving yards and 33. So this is the concern for him, right? He's had four targets and seven targets. But at $4,000, if he's just going to see four or five receptions, we'll take that. We'll take your nine fantasy points if he can give it to us. And now he's at least a little bit cheaper in a good matchup versus the Las Vegas Raiders. I'll go there. I talked about all my babies. I'll get these guys if I'm doing stacks. Mark Andrews, Eric Ebron, Gusecki, John Uber. I'll do these guys if I'm getting stacks. Logan Thomas before the bye week was actually seeing a lot of catchable targets from Kyle Allen. So that's something to keep in mind. He was definitely the number two option in this passing game, only behind the obvious one being Terry McLaurin, the second year player there. He has seen three straight weeks of at least four targets. He's seen a back-to-back weeks with red zone targets, and he's had 16 fantasy points, right? Scored a touchdown, 13.2 fantasy points and scored a touchdown. He's finished as a top 10 tight end in back-to-back weeks. He is touchdown dependent, but basically so is every other tight end in this range. So my yes is I feel pretty confident in them. Then you get some maybes in there as well. Another thing to point out about Logan Thomas, 22.3% of his team's air yard target share this year and market share. That's actually currently right now ahead of Kelsey, ahead of Waller. It's third overall on this slate, only behind Mark Andrews and Mike Gusecki. So thank you so much for tuning into the week nine show of the best picks that we're getting into. More content, Thursday showdown content and a live stream tomorrow. Friday's final thoughts video, we'll go over matchups. We'll go over a little bit more ownership and exposures as those numbers come in. Saturday, that one, dude, and Sunday's live stream. So be sure to hit the like and subscribe button so you're notified, hit that bell as well, of when all this content comes out. I have a pinned up tweet on my Twitter profile to see all my content that I've already released this week and more that's to come as the week goes on. Also check out all the golf content if you're into golf. The Masters will start next week. We have this week's Houston Open already up. Support the show and support me on Patreon, patreon.com backslash Sal underscore Vetri underscore to get a ton of information. All these charts as well, which is a lot of key stats, which will help you out just from a, a looking at the data standpoint very quickly at every single position, but also my projections, rankings, ownership coming very soon. Showdown slate information, game by game notes, all this stuff. Again, patreon.com backslash Sal underscore Vetri underscore linked up down below. Support the sponsor of the show, Monkey Knife Fight. I appreciate you all a ton and I'll see you in the next one.